No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Mary Freeman, New Right Network. This is the Right Now podcast. I have Elisa Steele with me. She was born in Mexico. She's a dual citizen of both the United States and Mexico, raised by a single mother in poverty. Her passion is the unborn and fighting for America's 2A rights. What we're going to talk about now is her second cousin, Ronita Miller, was one of the women who was murdered in Mexico recently. You may have heard that story. Elisa, would you like to uh, fill us in on a little bit more? Tell us about yourself first. Okay, sure. A little bit about me. Um, As you mentioned, I was born in Mexico, so I do have that dual citizenship. My mother is, you know, she's American, born and raised in Colorado. My father is Hispanic. Um, And so I, I... I'm connected, um, and this story just, it's, it's more than just story to me, it's family, and it really hits close to home, because my maiden name is LeBaron, um, and, you know, this is, this is my family, and they're in a colony, this, this all happened in a colony about five hours away from where I was born, and in a neighboring colony with other family members, um, so this, this hits very, very close to home for me, um, a little bit about me, I actually run a blog and podcast myself, um, and it sounds like you and I have a lot in common, we have a lot of the same passions, but specifically, um, everything to do with the pro-life movement, um, first, First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, um, anti-human trafficking. A lot of those are topics that I cover regularly on Instagram at Conservative Babes um, or on Twitter, on Facebook. And then I have a podcast, Deconstructing the Culture, where I regularly take our cultural phenomenons, these songs that go viral, videos that go viral, news stories that go viral, and deconstruct them down to the base level of the message trying to be sent um, by our, our Hollywood mainstream and also our mainstream news and also finding out how we can work around that and really educate ourselves and prevent this just complete takeover of leftist core values from infiltrating into our own homes. Excellent. So uh, let's uh, give me a few minutes because you said that uh, Ronita Miller is your second cousin, but you also had a couple of other cousins. Uh, I want to take a few minutes and and honor these victims. But what I want to do first is you saw in the media, uh, it's kind of a victim blaming kind of thing where they said that these people were connected to so-and-so and such and such. And this is, you know, they kind of made it seem like that they're the reason that they had been murdered. Basically, I want you to it's answer. It's their fault. It's, it's their media's portrayal. Yeah, unfortunately, that has been the very, uh, outside of the fact that this is tragic to begin with and the innocent loss of 
of lives of women and children. But then next, the secondary victimization, the secondary um, just slaughter of the names of, of my family have just been really horrific. One of the things is I find interesting and also sad and disheartening to the immediate family members is it's all being portrayed as a LeBaron attack. And the LeBaron attack in Mexico. And yes, while these, these victims were related to LeBarons, their last names were Miller Johnson and Lankford. So I'd like to honor those names um, but then on top of that, this didn't even happen in LeBaron. A lot of the media has even been saying, saying that this is happening in Colonial LeBaron, where I was born. It actually didn't happen. It happened in the state of Sonora, not in Chihuahua at all, but in the state of Sonora in La Mora, Mexico. Um, so that, that's another misinformation. But then the mis where it really got gross was the victim blaming, the, the media saying, oh, well, you know, they knew that they were living in a dangerous place or they, it's, it's their fault that they died because it's dangerous to live in Mexico that's disgusting first of all there's no reason to kill innocent women and children but second of all would the media cover a, a slaughter of innocent women and children who died in Chicago or New York where gun rights are also extraordinarily limited would they say oh well it's their fault they lived in Chicago or New York where they can't have guns to protect themselves as well no they wouldn't ever victim blame like that, but they feel like they're enough removed that they can they can say, well, it's your fault. Well, it's not. It's never a victim's fault. And then on top of that, the truth is, <laughs> I believe, and, and this is this part is speculation, but I also believe that the the Mexican government is is very very embarrassed by this happening. So they're really trying to put a, a kibosh on this as quickly as as is possible, even the day after they. Uh, the media tried to come out saying that they'd caught the person who who did this and that they found two hostages and, and we're all over here on my side of the family shaking our heads being like these people have nothing to do with this and those victims what are you talking about all of our bodies all of our loved ones are accounted for and of course people saw through that and it was quickly dropped and it was it was quickly brushed under the rug as it because everyone could see right through it um but then on top of that too i have learned some really interesting things about our media through this process simply because I always knew that the media yeah. or mainstream media had a narrative and they, they have their way, their way of framing the story and saying, this is how it happened. And then finding your words, cutting them yep. into little slices and fitting it into their story, whether it was the same story or not. I have that happen on multiple occasions, but mm -hmm. one of the most egregious and, and kind of blatant disregards for the real narrative is I had the day after this disgusting slaughter and attack on my family happened, I had four different interviews with mainstream networks um, here in Florida and, my, and where I live here in Florida. And each one of them, they asked you at the end of it, what do you want? What do you want the American people to know? What do you want the public to know about this story? And in each one of them, I said very clearly with no mistake, I need the American people to know that this is why we fight for our second amendment rights because my family knows that you can't get a hold of and protect your family and have guns to protect your family and that Mexico's gun laws, gun control laws are the dream of leftists in America. That's what they want is very, very strict, limited gun ownership in the United States and that it's going to be more of this is what happens if we progress into that direction. That when you have gun control, you leave the bad guys in control of the guns and the innocent victims are the ones who suffer because they're the law-abiding citizens. And of course, they're not going to you know, have copious amounts of illegal guns because they're law-abiding citizens in the first place. And so it really... Right. That was that was really what I had to say, and and what a lot of my family had to say is this is why you keep your guns so you can yes. protect your family. 
guess how many people from each of those four networks covered that part of the story? Not one of them, I bet None. you anything. <laughs> you were <laughs> not on. one of them. Zero. Zero, zero covered. And, and here's the thing, and here's what I find to be mm-hmm. quite interesting is one, and, and the last one I did that night was probably like 9.30 at night. I was getting a little tired at that point, but that particular interviewer literally chuckled in my face and said, now you can't go and get all patriotic like that and rile people up by saying things about guns and literally laughed in my face when I said, this is what the American people needs to take away from this story is keep your guns, fight for your guns. And that just tells you where they're at. That just tells you exactly where they're at. What do you think the the media's main motivation is in all of this? Because they painted this in, they've had so many different ways to paint this, including, I couldn't believe that they were victim shaming, you know, and saying that, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't have been where they were, or they were a part of this or that or the other family that just... We'll get into that, too. I can debunk all of those crazy lies. But Good, no, because what do you think their main goal yeah. on the... on the, Why are they doing that? Yeah, so basically. a couple things. A couple things, yeah. A couple things is, first off, they're not going to touch the gun issue. The only time I saw the media touch the gun issue is my cousin Kendra did a 20-minute solid interview. It wasn't a cut and splice. It was a full uninterrupted interview with Anderson Cooper on CNN. And Anderson asked her that same question. What do you want the American people to take away from this? And she says the same thing, hold on to your guns. And, and of course there was more of that, but her, her message was hold on to your guns. And of course here's Anderson Cooper and you're watching his face. And of course he is not a fav- in favor of this. He's crazy anti-gun, but he can't say anything to Kendra because Kendra just lost her sister-in-law and her nieces and nephews in a horrible death. And so Anderson Cooper can't say anything about this because he's going to be the one on the other side. He can't say that directly to the victim's family. So his his face is the faces he makes. It's just stone cold. Because you know, he's like, uh-uh. Yeah. Eye roll and thing that's the only and time stuff I like saw that. that covered. That's the only And here's another thing too is the media hasn't covered this as much as they should and the few times they have covered it the reason why that they are victim blaming so badly in my opinion is because they don't want this to be ammo for our current government to use to say this is why we need a stronger wall. This is why we need to build up our border. This is why we need to wipe out the drug cartels and stop that crime from entering into the United States via stronger border. And so the media doesn't want to cover this story because this gives the conservatives and the Republicans, I'm not Republican, I'm conservative, but those of us who lean towards the right, he doesn't want this airing the flames of this is why we need more protection on the border. So of course the leftist media is not going to cover it. And when they do cover it, they're going to find it crazy excuses about why it's this family's fault, including, but not limited to some of the craziest ones I've heard where somehow they were claiming that my family was connected to, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but like some Nixfin sex cult connected to Jeffrey Epstein, which is Mm -hmm. Naxium. Naxium. I couldn't pronounce it. I never knew of it. They no actually connected your family to Naxium. They did. They How did they do did. that? What kind of gymnastics did they have to do? They to had some that? crazy outlandish story about how some some girls oh, way back when with the last name of LeBaron were like men, been mentored by this person and then and later that person came out as connected to that cult. 
They, they had to stretch so far that nobody in my family had even heard of this before. It was so outlandish and so such a far stretch. Wow. Completely false. Then they had to dig. Uh, unfortunately, we all know we have black sheep in everyone's family, right? Everyone has that. Yeah. Or that cousin. I've been the black sheep. <laughs> See, there you go. Or else you are the black sheep. But everyone yeah. has that family member they're a little ashamed of. Well, for us and many in, who are connected or related to the LeBarons. Unfortunately, that is my great uncle, Ervil LeBaron. Ervil LeBaron was my father's uncle. And about 50 years ago, he was unfortunately all over in the news and it was disgusting. And for, for good reason, he was doing some horrible things, basically the long and the short of it. And there's been a lot of books written about this, including one horrendous movie that was inaccurate about my family's history and Ervil LeBaron. But the long and the short of it is he was severely mentally disturbed. He thought he was a prophet from God. He was the one mighty and strong, quotation marks on that. Um, and basically he started threatening um, anybody who wouldn't believe that he was the one mighty and strong. So he ended up having his followers kill various family members, including my mom's father, my grandpa, when my mom was a little girl, uh, had his children murder um, my grandfather and, uh, Ervil had some of his own, um, you know, wives and, and children killed, including an unborn grandchild, some really horrible things. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Wives. So wives. he was, that's yes. Cool. So he, yes. Uh, that's the other part of the black sheep story is he was <laughs> a polygamist. That's the other part is, um, Ervil he was a polygamist then. And polygamy. Yeah. Ah. So Ervil LeBaron created this, this crazy panic all over the news and unfortunately blackened the LeBaron name. There are many, many LeBarons and none of them are Ervil LeBaron. Ervil LeBaron is now many years dead and gone, sent to prison, died in prison. His followers are all dead or in prison or just off the map. So he's an old, old story from well, this. They, they just ago. reached they had to really reach so far back. So far. And unfortunately, Ervil has Just a why, though. Too. I know, Ervil has absolutely nothing to do with these family members, but of course they have to drag that disgusting, shameful history that's not connected to these people at all. Right. He's a distant relative at best, and connect it saying, oh, the parents have a long, shaded history of violence. And you're like, no, one person 50 years ago did some horrible things that does not and now is no longer connected to anyone. And so, of course, they bring that in and say, oh, that's why. That's why they did violent things once upon a time. That's why they deserve violence. No. One evil man did some evil things. He's dead. That's over. And But the thing is, though, along with the women who were murdered and butchered and that, along with that, and this is what shocks me, is a, is a pair of, well, I thought it was six months old, but you said eight-month-old twins, eight twins and mm -hmm. some young, and some young children. Uh -huh. uh, I can't believe the media would justify that kind of a it's stance disgusting. against children. Um, Truly disgusting. And you what is it? Yeah, you can't victim shame children. You can't blame children for their own, especially not for their own death. Uh, so this is all, but this all has to do with the wall, I bet. Do you, do I, you, you know, I feel that way? Or? I, I really only have speculation on that, but my, my speculation would be that our mainstream media wants to cover as little as possible because they don't want more conversation about a border wall. And I hate to politicize that, but unfortunately, that's where our media is. Instead of honoring the victims and trying to find justice for the victims and focusing on the innocent loss of life, they have to bring in political issues. They have to then find ways to, to 
blame the victims and, and bring in any little random tie stretch that they can fabricate things or, um, or bring in people dead 50 years ago to, to make their narrative seem justifiable. Yeah, so let's do, let's take a few minutes though in this conversation and we want to honor the the victims, all the yeah. victims. You have their names, their ages, and I do. all of that. And, and you, you can find, you can find all those informations. I did an in-depth um, podcast episode that actually I detailed exactly what happened, play by play, what that was like, and all the victims and their names and ages. Um, but you can find that on iTunes. Um, I also have doc, you know, written formats of that on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, but the last names, which I would like to honor the last names of the people, it, none of them are actually LeBaron, which I find it to be ironic that, the, that that's being used so much in the media as the LeBaron attack. None of them had the last name of LeBaron. They were Johnson, Miller, and Lankford. So those are the last names of the victims. And um, it's just, it's truly heartbreaking to watch this happen and to watch them relocate since this has happened and the funerals were carried out. Um, all of those families now have relocated to the United States because they're not safe there anymore. They had to completely abandon and leave behind their homes, their ranches, their livelihoods, their farms and orchards. They had to leave those all behind because it's just not safe there anymore. And this is after years and years of it being totally peaceful, of this being a paradise for children to grow up in, uh, a beautiful place to be with a lot of freedom to run and roam and be a kid and, and you know, be a family down there. And my family has been there before the cartels. They were established there, you know, before the cartels were really in power there. And so it really is just disgusting and unfortunate that this has turned out the way it is where now they have to leave their homes and livelihoods because they're afraid they're going to lose more family. And it's just, it's just too much. So they had to all I'll relocate in the last um, couple of weeks. So we know that uh, Ronita Miller was your second cousin. Mm -hmm. And, and you then have... Christina and Donna were my cousins through marriage as well. And they are Lang they are they are Langfords? Well, yes. Well, Langford and LeBaron, but yeah. Um, or not LeBaron, Langford and Johnson. Yeah. Langford and Johnson. Um, honestly, it... <laughs> It really means a lot to me that you're willing to cover this um, and that you're willing to talk about this, Mary. So I do want to thank you. Thank you for that. But, um, you know, the truth is, at the end of the day, these are American citizens and they're, they're having to leave their homes after years and generations of being there because of our failed, failed country right next to us. And um, there is terrorism in our world, and it's not just ISIS, it's also the cartels, and we do need to pay more attention to that. And at the end of the day, America can't turn a blind eye to what's going on right next to us because it's coming into our country. And it's unfortunate and disgusting that this whole issue had to come to light because my family was killed and they're American citizens, but there are hundreds of Mexicans being killed very yes, frequently by the cartels being caught so, in the crossfire. So what is it uh, now? This brings to mind President Trump's. Uh, well, he issued a tweet, but not 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 just a tweet, but he's told the president of Mexico, "Look, I'll help you. Mm -hmm. I will help you get rid of what you need is a strong army. I have a strong army. Yeah. I can help you." Do you agree with that? Do you agree with him with us sending 
our armies and our troops in to basically clean up Mexico. Not and and my personal opinion is well, it's spilling over. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. spilling over. So. It's a legitimate answer and it's a legitimate reply. The truth is, yes, um, the, the morning after this happened, um, after, I mean, you have to imagine our panic. We have to yeah. uh, put ourselves back in that day. It was so agonizingly long for so many people. And we're all thinking in our mind, we're never going to see justice. It's never going to see the light of day. It's going to be just like all the other Mexican citizens who are disappearing or being killed. And so as a family, we were just crying and praying together and saying, we've got to get the attention of the media. This cannot mm -hmm. just go by the wayside. We need help. You have to also remember for six hours, we didn't know where Christina and Donna and their nine or 10 children together were. And so um, we, we needed help finding those victims. We needed help finding to see if they were alive or dead or kidnapped for hours. We thought maybe they were kidnapped and going to be held for ransom. So we desperately needed help. And that's when we started to go into a media storm on our personal social medias, just crying out for any and, and all help that we could get to find these missing loved ones and to for justice. And so after um, probably about 24 hours after it all happened, President Trump did tweet. Um, he tweeted about our families. He said two great families, paraphrasing, um, you know, were taken and, and children, innocent women and children were killed. Um, and then said exactly what you said, um, you know, offering help to the president of Mexico. Now, unfortunately, the president of Mexico did say no. Um, they think they're embarrassed again. They're, they're embarrassed by the situation, embarrassed that it's making not just national news, but worldwide news. I had people reaching out to me on conservative babes. I had hundreds of messages pouring in over a few days, um, literally hundreds of messages a day of people saying, I'm in New Zealand and I'm seeing your story in New Zealand. I'm in, uh, you know, I, I'm in England, I'm saying your story, whatever the case was, you know, the BBC was even covering it, I believe. And so this was making worldwide news. Of course, the, the president of Mexico is embarrassed and he's saying, no, we, we don't need your help. We, we're good. We'll handle this. Well, um, I mean, so, he obviously needs so, some help though. Unfortunately, we don't, I don't, I don't know that justice will, will be served. I would hope and pray that it would be, but I don't know that that would ever be a reality. Now, will President Trump be able to send in his army or his troops and wipe this out? Probably no. So I think that's probably a little bit of a moot question. But in theory, if that was ever an opportunity, yes, simply from a strategical standpoint, the fact that we share a border and the, that is definitely affecting our country as mm -hmm. American citizens. We should care about stopping that and um, wiping that out because it's not contained in Mexico. It's not contained to the Mexican borders. It is pouring into over into our country and even over to our citizens living abroad. Yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, yes, I do think it would be helpful for the United States to get involved, but will it happen? My guess is no. So uh, the best that we have as a recourse for ourselves anyways is the border wall and uh all the technologies that have been asked for that the president has asked for and then perhaps put some troops up there to to yeah. at least keep it from spilling over in into the united states what do you think what is what are some things that you feel at least the, that are the very least we could possibly do mm -hmm. 
we definitely need enhanced um, budget for our border security. They are being completely overrun and, and they have too many coming in. They need um, a substantial amount of, of financial help and also more troops down there. We also need a much stronger border wall, not just because of the cartels and the threat that they pose, but branching into another subject. And this is a subject that I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Tim Ballard and OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. Um, Tim is a, a friend of, of the families, kind of, and um, he started Operation Underground Railroad a few years ago, and they are one of the best organizations in the world that go in, partner with countries all over the world, including the United States, and they help bring an end to child sex trafficking. Um, there are over two million children being trafficked in the world. And the truth is, in here in America, we are struggling with that because we're one of the number one consumers of child trafficking. And sadly, and this is something that Tim Ballard talks about a lot, I definitely recommend you talk, um, look him up. He even has a really phenomenal book, yeah. Slave Stealers, that I recommend reading as well. But Tim will talk to you about the fact that in his time being working in our United States armed forces, um, not, not, I'm trying to remember what it was. He's not, he wasn't in the army or the military. He, he was like, uh, he just worked on like border security. I think he was an FBI agent or something like that, but he worked in, in our armed services in some capacity and it was specifically stationed next to the border. And he can tell you firsthand that we have a massive problem with children being traffic trafficked across the Mexican United States border and being trafficked into the United States where we consume a lot of the, uh, the child sex slavery industry here um, in America. So even outside of my family, not to, you know, to move from one tragedy to another, but we need a stronger border for many reasons. And mm -hmm. if the cartels aren't enough, the child sex trafficking should be enough of a wake up call that we seriously, seriously focus on this issue. That is, that is a, that is a heartbreaker right there. Indeed. I, nobody, nobody knew for the longest amount of time that the United States even had a problem with sex trafficking. And then Maxim comes out and Jeffrey Epstein comes up and, and on all of that. Just give me some impressions that you have as far as that topic goes. What have you found out? Uh, as far as sex trafficking? As far as all the sex trafficking and all that, especially over the border between Mexico and and the United States, is there? Yeah, it's really, it's really, truly alarming. Um, and also, it gets even worse around large, large events, especially close held close to the border. Anytime we have the Super Bowl held in any of those lower states, or it doesn't actually doesn't even matter. Um, the fact is, is we now have airlines taking part in. Um, identification courses to spot sexual trafficking and, and traveling of pimps traveling with underage girls or just girls in general and boys um, to try and spot that because it is such a huge problem in the United States. And the question I have to ask myself is what kind of demand, what kind of consumer demand would require that we have over 2 million children not just people, children in the sex slave industry. And that makes you look back at our country and our world and our Western world specifically and ask ourselves, what are we doing wrong that we have such a demand and that so much of it is coming from the United States where we also have the money. Um, and, and I mean, not to, to, to branch into another subject, but I'm not sure if you're familiar with Fight the New Drug or 
or um, their slogan, Porn Kills Love, but they have some amazing resources talking about this very issue and how we can, can work from the base down. And really a lot of it has to do with pornography. And um, the. I mean, I was there in Utah and was able to testify yeah. on the Utah state um, or Senate floor when we first passed the first bill that announced pornography is a public health crisis. And um, uh, thankfully, that awareness has only just barely started to spread and, and gain more and more traction. So we have multiple states across the United States declaring pornography a public health crisis. But it all ties in. It really all does. It might sound like a broad and overreaching um, subject, but they all tie in from our increased um, technology to our increase in hardcore pornography, which is has a drug-like connection and an effect on our brain, mm-hmm. to our and then um, from there, increase in child trafficking and then where that comes in on our borders. Now, uh, what would you say to people who, you know, they, they like to watch porn, but they are sure that they don't watch any porn with underage uh, kids in it and all of that other um, But it all feeds in, as far as I'm concerned, it all feeds in, it, it, it all funds, they all fund each other. They mm-hmm. all feed into each other. It all does. So even if you aren't specifically consuming that, you you know, you're advancing it. What do well, you think? Here's the thing. What would you say? Um, there, there's a few different replies. What do I say to someone who thinks that they have a, quote, innocent porn consumption habit? First of all, um, there's nothing innocent about pornography. Much of what people watch is, un- unbeknownst to the consumer, is, um, is coerced rape or it is uh, frequently, unfortunately, the searches for rape porn or other horrible things like that have been increased, increasingly searched. And while they might think that they're performing actors, very, very frequently they're not. A lot of times, if it looks consensual, it's revenge porn, and there's there's still a victim in revenge porn. Um, a lot of times, there's a lot of underage stuff, and you just can't know. There's no way to verify that what you're watching is not illegal uh, revenge, um, horrible in some way. Um, taking the morality out of out of the issue altogether and just talking scientifically, there's also a victim on both sides of the screen. There's the victim um, who is being filmed and is part of the process. There's also the victim who's watching. Now, the person consuming and watching might not know that they're a victim, but they are. The scientific studies have become more and more increasingly not just linked but confirming that the way pornography works on a person's brain is the same way crack cocaine um, or tobacco would work on your brain that it increases and overflows and overfloods the dopamine centers in your brain so in layman terms our body connects things that they like to um, pathways in their brain and it builds these so strong and these connections so intensely that it's too much. Your brain goes on overdrive and it starts basically putting on the brakes, trying to slow it down because it's too much for your brain to handle. And because of that, the side effect of that is we start becoming numb, numb to regular joys and and happiness, uh, hugging a friend, eating a good meal, things that would usually send off dopamine and pleasure cocktails into our brain are no longer now, they're not even enough to register to the point where now we have teens and youth struggling with erectile dysfunction, um, anxiety, depression, all kinds of horrible ailments coming because of pornography addictions. They have no idea, but there's, there's no, there's no victimless, um, 
consumption of pornography, whether it's the person on watching or the person being filmed, it's, it's horrible for, for our world altogether. Yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of works a lot like an, addic- an addiction to anything else, you know. You, it is, you it is, it chemically works and, the same way. Yeah, you, you shoot up something, and the more you shoot it up, the more you have to shoot up. Uh, and you build up a tolerance, and then you have to shoot up more to get, that, to get that high, and pretty soon it's just not doing anything. Nothing's doing anything. Which and is so, why we also see an increase in violent, uh, violent pornography. Um, because the violence brings on a new aspect of it, mm-hmm. and it brings on uh, uh, another chemical, if mm-hmm. you will. Your, your body mm-hmm. releases an, yet another chemical. Uh, so it's an, adre- an adrenaline rush and things of that nature. Um, so. Uh, but definitely, I know a lot of, there, there's a lot of resources. I've kind of just given a, like a little glimpse of this subject, right. which I'm really passionate about. But you can find yeah. a whole lot more of this. Um, I found both- out. Yeah, I found yeah, you can that. find a whole lot more on my on my Instagram, Conservative Babes, on my Facebook, Conservative Babes. Yeah. You, you you and I are friends on Twitter, Conserve Babes, or look up my name, Elisa Steele. And also, I am actually coming out with a No Porn November episode tomorrow, Monday, um, that will also address this subject. So, uh, there's a movement going on, and I don't know if you've heard about it or not, and it has... Uh, received massive backlash from the left. Uh, it's a group of men who've gotten together and they, they've called it, uh, and forgive me, but this is what it's called. <laughs> it's No Nut November. This is where they have decided that they are going to stop watching porn, stop masturbating, stop doing all of this stuff. And they have really found a, a change in their in their in their life basically mm-hmm. it's, it's a there's a they have more energy they have more interest in things outside the screen they, they can have, actually enjoy having sexual relations with an, a real human being yeah <laughs> there's a lot of really great side effects i would i would recommend to anybody um to have a, a no fap rest of your life so yes yeah, so if if so you're going to do this this episode do you ex- how much backlash do you expect because the left is really tearing this up you know funny enough leftists don't really like my podcast in fact they leave really bad reviews so <laughs> in general i don't know how much backlash i'll get because the truth is not a lot of leftists listen in the first place but the few who listen will be you know appropriately offended but they're also appropriately offended at my stance that unborn people uh you know deserve the right to live and not be torn apart viciously and murdered so there's a lot to be offended by on my podcast i'm sure it won't be anything i haven't handled before awesome awesome this is elise Steele with me i am mary freeman this is the right now podcast follow me at freeman underscore mary one Follow New Right Network at New Right Network. Join me again for the Right Now podcast. You've been listening to New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com. <laughs>